G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network from 10 a.m. weekdays, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Today, we're featuring one of our church leaders. It's always a privilege when we get to sit down and chat with some of the leaders of our Christian churches in Australia. We can hear an open and honest vision of where they see their church heading and what issues they believe will encourage and challenge the people of God that they've been tasked with leading. The Reverend Professor Andrew Dutney is the new elected president of the Uniting Church in Australia's National Assembly and he spoke to Matt Gees following the conclusion of the week-long assembly meeting in Adelaide recently. Matt asked him firstly to explain what his role is and how it fits into the bigger picture of the Uniting Church. The first job is to chair the Triennial Assembly um, and the importance of doing that is that that assembly sets the direction for the Uniting Church for the next three years. My role over the next three years is to represent this assembly in the life of the church and in the church's relationship with the nation and in our denomination's relationship with other denominations. What that means in practice is that wherever the Uniting Church needs to express itself nationally, I'd be likely to be the person asked to represent the church. So if we're dealing with our partner churches in the Pacific and there's a significant ecumenical conference coming up, it'd be expected that I'd attend and so I'd, I'd be there listening for the Uniting Church to hear what our partner churches want us to hear. I'd be sharing Uniting Church perspectives on whatever their agenda is. And then I'd be coming back into the Uniting Church and, and saying, well, this is, this is where our partnership's up to. These are the pressing issues. This is where I think we might be able to make a contribution. And then you, you can uh, replicate that kind of role in just about every other area where the church nationally needs to engage with other churches or indeed with the state or community. And one of the things that has happened during your first week as the president of the the National Assembly is that uh, it's been a very visible motion to be on the steps of Parliament House where you stood side by side with your Indigenous partners within the Uniting Church to, I guess, make note of the Church's concerns regarding the Federal Government's Stronger Futures legislation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what brought that on and what particular areas that the Uniting Church has in concern for this particular piece of legislation? The thing that I think was most different about this assembly was that we have in place a new preamble to the Uniting Church Constitution. That was passed by the last assembly in 2009, and then in the following 18 months or so, all the other bits of the Uniting Church had to consider it and decide whether they agreed with the assembly or not about including this in the Constitution. Uh, ultimately, they did, and so this is the first time the assemblies met with this new preamble. The importance of the preamble is that it recognises uh, both the prior ownership of the land in Australia uh, by the First Peoples, but it also recognises the way God was with them before the Europeans came to, to Australia. And indeed, the Spirit of God was already revealing to the Indigenous people 
aspects of the way and will of God that came to be expressed in, in custom law and ceremony. But our indigenous sisters and brothers are very clear that, that this was just a preparation for the coming of the gospel and the news of Jesus Christ but an important one that needed acknowledgement. Uh, in any case, it means that our relationship with our uh, Indigenous sisters and brothers is different. And so when we gather together this time, there's a significant representation uh, from the Aboriginal community within the church. We listened to what they had to say, and in some ways they spoke to us more frankly and, and on a more equal level than in the past because of this constitutional change. The Assembly was very touched and moved by some of the stories of the impact that first of all the intervention has had in, in northern communities and then uh, furthermore the way in which this becomes entrenched, uh, normalised also almost in the so-called Stronger Futures legislation. So the Assembly in deciding that we would engage in an act of public worship and lament was trying to respond to you know, weeping with those who weep, he hearing our sisters and brothers' stories and, and entering into that. And we decided we'd have this act of public prayer lament worship on the steps of Parliament House. So what we did was instead of having lunch, we silently, as the whole assembly, walked from the place where the assembly was meeting in Hindley Street uh, up to North Terrace and down to the steps of, of Parliament House. We assembled on the steps and myself and the uh, uh, national chairperson for the Uniting an Aboriginal Islander Christian Congress, that's our indigenous uh, community within the Uniting Church, uh, we, we made statements, we sang, we were silent for a significant period uh, and we had a litany of, of lament, after which we silently walked back to resume our business in the assembly. Now, this turned out to be a really important thing for the whole assembly. So for our uh, Aboriginal sisters and brothers, it was a, a moment of very significant affirmation. They felt, yes, this assembly has actually heard what we have to say for the other members of the Assembly, it was a case of putting your body where your words have been. Uh, and a number of people had to really struggle to say, am I going to do this or not? But they, they went ahead. But the excitement afterwards amongst everyone was, this is a great thing. In relation to the Stronger Futures legislation itself, there are some aspects of it which are good, where there are some, some fresh inputs coming into to Aboriginal communities. But it's done at a terrible cost because the program eliminates a great deal of the self-determination and adult responsibility from Indigenous communities. So if you can't uh, even have control of, the, of, of your money in a situation, it's very hard to see how a person is going to feel like an adult human being, let alone grow into deeper maturity. Also, the, the Stronger Futures legislation doesn't acknowledge where programs are working well or where individuals or communities are functioning uh, responsibly, the, everyone is treated the same. So there's there's an aspect of it which uh, we're hearing from the Aboriginal community is simply going to be self-defeating. It's it's turning people into into welfare dependent people who are not being asked to be responsible for themselves, and in fact are not even being given an opportunity to be responsible for themselves. So we're not engaging into the politics of it here in this assembly. For us, it was really we're going to pray, we're going to lament. We're going to stand with our sisters and brothers in this moment of great pain. Andrew, what do you see as some of the other issues that have been brought to your attention by Uniting Church members that are going to need a response or, or maybe even more attention over the next three years? Are there certain issues that have cropped up in public life that you think that Uniting Church has said to you as their president of their national decision-making body, 
these are things that we're quite concerned about or these are things that we feel need more attention? It's very soon after the Assembly. In fact, we've only just finished. And uh, to be very honest, honest with you, I'm going to need to spend a couple of weeks now digesting the, the great raft of decisions that were made and just seeing what the patterns are, how they fit together. So I, I can only give you a tentative response at this stage. One of the things uh, uh, that, that was important in the Assembly was the uh, passing of a proposal relating to cross-cultural and multicultural ministry, uh, and in particular uh, an expectation among all ministry agents in the Uniting Church that they make awareness and competency in, in cross-cultural, multicultural ministry a normal part of their preparation. To this point, we certainly embrace multiculturalism and uh, a number of congregations have, have very effective multicultural lives uh, and a number of, of ministers and other leaders are, are very effective in moving between cultures but it's it's been left pretty much to individuals to respond this assembly has said no we actually want the whole of our leadership to take this seriously uh, and so one of the proposals had some some quite detailed suggestions about how to do that I think it's the kind of proposal that if it's if it's not just going to collect dust somewhere it'll need a bit of a sponsorship from me as the president. So it's an example of what presidents do. I think here's a proposal that's it's going to need some help to get traction, so uh, it'll be part of my business to draw people's attention to it as I move around the church and where I get opportunities to speak, and there are plenty of those, find ways to introduce the issues in that policy into what I have to say. Uh, so that's, that's one example. Um, and as I sift through my papers again, I think I'm going to find a, a whole lot of other examples. You're listening to the 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. We continue our conversation now with the new leader of one of Australia's Christian churches, the Reverend Professor Andrew Dutney, who's the newly elected president of the Uniting Church in Australia, and he's been explaining to Matt Gees what his role is and some of the issues that the Uniting Church is looking at following its recent national decision-making meeting in Adelaide. We return to the conversation as Andrew speaks about how he, as president and the Uniting Church as a whole, will respond to issues that are impacting the community inside and outside of his denomination. Well, as fresh issues come up in community life, I have to be pretty careful about how I deal with it. So it's, it's not the president's job to set policy. And that's one of the things that makes the Uniting Church different from some other kinds of church where an individual is given a great deal of executive responsibility to say, well, this is what the church teaches. I say it, so the church says it. That's, that's not how we do things. So where the assembly has a position, it's my role to explain it and to bring it to life in whatever the changing circumstances might be. Where the Assembly doesn't have a position, it's uh, one of the reasons that I've been chosen as President is that I have deep roots in the Uniting Church. I, I have a very thorough knowledge of its heritage, its ethos, its, its history, its doctrines. And so I can uh, very gently, I can tentatively say, well, these would be likely Uniting Church responses to this, to this matter. Uh, and the church expects me to do that. If there's some blindingly obvious thing, I'll just say, well, this is what the United Church is, is going to say about this. But, but more often, I think it would be a case I'd say, well, this is the continuum of, of responses that are likely to come from the United Church. And people are just going to have to accept that, that they're not going to get black and white definitive answers from me about things that the assembly hasn't 
hasn't been able to determine or hasn't determined yet. Well, Andrew, just finally, tell us a little bit about you. Introduce yourself. Now, you're a, you're a musician and a songwriter as well as being a, a theologian. So tell us a little bit about your background, what you've just mentioned, that you've got deep roots within the Uniting Church. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what your role has been before taking on this particular job? Well, I've, I've been in ministry a long time. I'm 54 and I began my training for ministry when I was, uh, think, 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 19. So, yeah, it's a, long, it's a long journey with the church in a sort of formal leadership role or roles. Uh, I've had a couple of local church positions as a, as a parish minister, which I loved. But really my passion, my, my very strong sense of calling was to be a teacher. And so since 1989, uh, I've been full-time teaching in a theological college or when I say full-time, I was full-time until 2001, at which point I became the principal of a theological college, which meant I did a lot of administration as well. But, but really the teaching is the thing that, that I'm passionate about. And I think in some ways in my role as president, that that's already coming to the fore. I can't help myself but explain to people new ideas, new concepts, bits of their own story. It's, it's an important part of who I am. Uh, you mentioned the music. Back in the day, I was a you know, singer-songwriter, gospel singer, folk singer, that kind of thing. I made a couple of albums that didn't sell very much, but the royalties didn't hurt at all at one particular time in my life. Over the years, I, I've written songs either for worship or to be part of the way I, I share the gospel and my perspective on the, the calling of Christ. So this assembly, it's been a bit funny, but it wasn't really my choice, but the, the worship leaders and planners were aware of this and, and they made a concerted effort to dredge up some of the, the back catalogue, if you like. And so the Assembly's been singing some very old songs of mine and brought them to life. Uh, a couple of times I found it deeply moving to, to hear these songs from my past being sung with such passion and, and freshness, and they've, they've come alive for me too. You find that's uh, an interesting reflection on where you were in your journey with God when you wrote that song and, and then reflecting on that now, where you are in your journey with God now? Oh, that's the thing, because when you write a song, it comes out of a very specific place in your life. I mean, I can very often actually picture the chair I was sitting on and the window that I was looking through when I was fiddling around writing a song, and, and it just takes you back to a very different time in your life. But one of the interesting things is I, I think it's it's confirmed for me that we really become the people we are pretty pretty early in life and there's some very consistent themes in the music that I wrote uh, in my teens and in my 20s and and in my 30s that, that just keep coming back and back and uh, I mean this is going to sound a bit well I don't know what corny or something uh, but they're very uniting church <laughs> so so a lot of my my songs have had these themes of journey and change and placing yourself in the hands of God and being open to the new thing. The, the sort of stuff that the Uniting Church's Basis of Union was, was really all about. And um, clearly I had internalised and was reflecting that in, in the way I went about life generally. Well, Andrew, well, thank you very much for making yourself available to have a chat to us here at Vision and also to introduce yourself afresh as uh, the leader of one of the churches here in Australia. We pray that your journey is uh, one filled with God's presence and that uh, you constantly seek God's voice in all that you do. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.